<laughs> okay, guys. Guy Fieri is reelected as the mayor of Flavortown, his 11th consecutive term. Opponent Paula D. Is, Dean is mad that urban and hip-hop style posturing led to his election and really thinks it's the fault of those people. Anthony Bourdain's ghost got 69% of the vote for his city council district, running on a platform of spicy food, swear words, and being all around a good man. Um, so, uh, during the Senate races, uh, well, what, what? The mayoral races, Parker. Come on. Mayoral, gotta... same thing. All the God above. Paula Dean I thought you were going to read erotica to us. I didn't know that you were going to just... <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to jump in <laughs> to fucking straight butt. Oh, man. It... She also promised to bring jobs back to Flavortown. I don't know where they went. But Guy Fieri promised to turn the community pool into a deep fryer, fun scientific inquiries into the gravitational force of bacon warping space-time. And you know what? It might just be a mound of oil log Pillsbury Crescent dough, but it's bomb.com tasty, amigo. Whatever that means. Um, <laughs> an exit poller was actually said uh, – was, was, was cited saying, I remember the first seeing him on TV, his golden bleach spikes, his flaming Hawaiian shirt, that sexy, scruffy beard. My heart felt as if it was, if it was being ripped out of my chest. It was not a feeling of pain but rather need. I needed to see him in person to find where my runaway heart was leading me and to see what this food enthusiast had planned for my heart. Would he make it a quick snack and throw it away after he's done or will he forever dine with me at the restaurant of love? Only time will tell. God, you just gotta love a well-run campaign, you know. It's very well-run, like mm -hmm. absolutely. He not only stole the hearts and minds of the voters, but made some really great campaign promises too. He did. Uh, we just gotta we gotta hold his feet to the fire, you know, to the the fire on the grill. We gotta say, Guy Fieri, you gotta you gotta cook those hamburgers like you promised. I want my deep-fried peanut butter triple stack hamburgers with um, enough cheese to feed the whole population of Belgium. You know, he promised that. And, and we just we um, gotta ask him to deliver. Yeah, and with with a side of Ted Cruz. <laughs> Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned. Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian nation Ride my pony on the reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Now way down yonder in the Indian nation The cowboy's life is my occupation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Hi, Matt and Bette. This week we have Carl Robinson Parker Nelson on the show. And this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. All right, you know, guys, I'm doing something right now. Uh, let me try something. I just removed the word small from our intro. We're now a podcast. <laughs> small we are a you know real what? people. We have regular You're listeners. We have a nice... We're, we're no longer, I'm going to do that right now. This week, we're going to talk about national news. First, we're going to talk about the midterm takeaways. I have a quick note about uh, a few stories in Jeff Sessions, uh, and then we're going to jump into some environmental news. Um, I don't think it's going to be a very big surprise what we're going to talk about. Um, before, of course, going on to Oklahoma news, talk about some of the uh, midterm outcomes there, and then uh, go into a little bit of Tulsa City Council uh, news before, of course, going to our conservative reading list for the week. So, uh, let's jump right in. Somebody take the midterms away. 
Uh, midterms, midterms, midterms. Aren't we all glad they're fucking over? God, number one. <laughs> oh, very excited. No more do I have to listen to the uh, 538 election sound, and they can go back to their actually good theme song. Thank you, 538. <laughs> it's like um, when Netflix stopped doing the screech for Halloween on their thing, and then it, they, they went back to doing just, like, normal Netflix. Ah. Yeah, it's like, this is good. Thank you. Just objectively better. And if you... <laughs> it just is. It is. Um, but... <laughs> Seasonal bullshit loop reels. <laughs> What what other good things happened? Uh, the caravan isn't news anymore. Uh, that was all just a lie. This is exclusively to drive out uh, white people who are afraid of their own shadow because it's darker than them. I'm gonna talk um, about so, that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just it's like it's like it's just not news anymore. You know what I mean? No, it's not. Um, right. We're not uh, concerned about shooting migrants at the border and turning the southern border into Gaza. Well, yeah, it's just like I, nah. think, I think they might still be like super buck about that, but like maybe later. it's just it's it's not like the topic of the day, yeah. you know that 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 was this the shift. That's all I mean. Uh, but the actual right. important stuff, uh, the very very important stuff. First important takeaway, I think, um, is that the Democrats retook the motherfucking House. Subpoenas, uh, that's a big deal. Subpoenas, subpoenas, gonna <laughs> issue. They're gonna come out, and we're gonna see some tax returns. Uh, well, let's see about that. Yeah. Uh, let's let's see because, and, and I have this from someone uh, who shall remain unnamed, who heard Nancy Pelosi say it in person. The first thing she said when she, uh, when her party took back the house, and she is probably presumptive speaker right now. That's not entirely sure. I really hope it's fucking not. Um, uh, it probably is. It probably is. The first thing she started talking about was bipartisanship and working on stuff that we can come to the middle of the aisle together and get done. Where's Lassie just, for him um, to make the West Wing music? <clears throat> <laughs> we do need that right now. Um, just a uh, listener, imagine the three of us walking through the hallways, except instead of talking inane bullshit that everybody knows is bullshit, we think it's actually really smart, and you'll get the West Wing feel out of the, the rest of this episode, okay? Um, please do that. Um, but it's just, uh, I heard a lot of people describe this, you know, I took, I took a poll of, uh, Democratic voters had a, about 10 million people in the poll, very scientific, very representative. Everyone called it equally unsurprising and disappointing that Nancy Pelosi came out and immediately started talking about bipartisanship instead of saying, fuck you, uh, you all won the presidency, the house and the Senate on a platform of get literally nothing done and just give the middle finger to the Democrats. Um, so I'm really happy Wait, that she learned platform? anything. Um, I thought, oh shit. I'm, I, I think I, I misunderstood what platforms are. I'm sorry guys. Yeah, it's just like, oh, what, what, what do you mean run on something? And it's like, you know, it, it's this general bullshit of, like, uh, party elites in the Democratic Party just being like, oh, what voters really want is to get stuff done. Because those people represent uh, the rich and powerful of this country almost as much as Republicans do. Um, and getting stuff done basically means lining the pockets of the rich and powerful for both parties. So they're saying, we want to do that so that, uh, I, I don't know, fucking Harold Ham can get federal tax cuts too. Um, that's cool. It is really hopeful, I think, in a lot of ways that, um, you know, we have the first two Native American women ever in Congress, the first two Muslim women. There's a woman who's going to be wearing the hijab in Congress. That's pretty dope. 
uh, in terms of just uh, pissing off the chuds. I don't think you can beat that. Um, like right. Mike Pence well, is gonna have to swear her in. That's hilarious. Exactly. That was one of my favorite um, themes that came out of it was that if you're ever having a bad day, just imagine Mike Pence having to swear in these women over a Quran, and he's gonna just lose his mind. Yeah, he's gonna be like, uh, actually, that's not allowed. Even though one of the founding fathers literally swore on on a Quran. That's I, I'm 99% sure that happened. Um, Wait. Also, a founding father said, uh, we respect Islam and America isn't a Christian nation. We think Islam is really cool. Uh, another thing that happened, everybody forgets about. Um, hmm, uh, but also, it, it's really dope that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is out here fucking doing awesome shit, like protesting Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Being like, fuck you. Give me a Green New Deal, you asshole. Maybe we shouldn't let your husband just make a shit ton of money off military contracts and instead should spend that money on... Uh, Dealing with the impending climate apocalypse. So, all in all, for healthcare for Americans, it's it's probably good that Democrats retook the House. We probably won't see that much happen if not, not you know, if not just absolutely nothing, which I'm okay with. That's fine. I would rather see nothing happen than anything that could pass with Donald Trump's signature happen. Well, anything that could pass the Senate, that's the real thing. Um, and so that's good. Um, the Senate. However, gain Republican seats. Anybody who who like looked at a map and was like, "Oh, why do you idiots still have the Senate?" But also look at this map. It was probably going to happen. It wasn't as bad as it could be. Kirsten Cinema, uh, famed Occupy protester and anarchist, turned into exactly what every anarchist turns into once they get a day job. Um, <clears throat> no offense to our anarchist listeners. It's just a joke. Uh, she's just a stereotype of like a bourgeois middle class anarchist. I'm sorry if I offended you. Um, she won the Arizona seat. I think it was yesterday. We're recording this on Tuesday. Um, mm-hmm. That's good. Cool to see Jeff Flake uh, go off into the nothingness of uh, being irrelevant and also probably making millions upon millions of dollars just like using the fact that he has a Rolodex with people of Congress in it. Um, that's that's cool. I really want and that. And We're sorry we got the Zodiac Killer back. Oh. Yeah, I'm really mad. I, like, I don't particularly like Beto, like he's he's a good like Obama type, like uh, probably pretty centrist, but at least appears to be like kind of progressive Democrat, and that's probably how he would have used his position. But uh, just to watch Ted Cruz finally shuffle off his skin and turn into this pile of maggots would have been cool. It would have been very cool. Um, and the other thing I've heard, I've heard a lot of stuff about Beto that I think is really important, um, namely that he essentially like did what Oklahoma needs too, and just was like, uh, we need a, a Democratic Party in Texas that would be an important part of having some kind of opposition to one-party rule in this state. If we could do that, that would be nice. So he built up a really big ground game. That's important. Um, that's actually important, yeah. building up institutions right. like that. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of them also were, like, suggesting that he run, you know what I mean, as a vice president candidate because he's so young, you know what I mean, for, <clears throat> for the presidency in 2020, so. I really, I don't, I don't want to fucking see that. I would much rather see him run for governor in Texas, if I'm being honest. Like, fuck you. You lost the Senate race um, in Texas. Until you win that Senate race in Texas, I don't get why he should be talked about on a presidential ticket. I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of iffy. Yeah, I mean, uh, the mobilization of the young people that he got out to go vote. I mean, how close the actual race was in comparison to like past historical races. I could see the actual, you know, argument being made. Well, and I think- who better as a presidential VP candidate would you pick? Well, I think especially because if the Democrats, I mean, continue to hold sway in their own party, which I mean, the power of the DNC says that's probably going to be the case. You know, if 
you know, if they do put some old school republic or old school Democrat up, some name we know up as president, they're going to want some something different for uh, vice president. I mean, it's just for me, if we're going to start floating Beto as a vice presidential candidate, like, why not float Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? I would love to see a Bernie AOC ticket. And that's like actually not with my values instead of putting Beto out there. And I think Beto. I mean, that's fair. I he, just he you know, could, whether or not the establishment Democrats are going to support that is a whole other thing. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about how maybe the party establishment doesn't matter as much if you could just beat him out in the primary in a little bit. Um, but you know, it's like, and she did do that, and so it's like, why, why not? Why not reach for the stars? And I mean, don't I would love to see Beto run for governor of Texas. I think it's in twenty twenty two because I also. No, or maybe it's a 20. I don't know when they have their gubernatorial election, but they have one in 2020 or 2022. And that would be cool to have a, a Democratic governor of Texas would be cool just because all of a sudden, you know, Texas is like the, the holy land for chuds, right? And it would just be funny to have a Democrat there. Like, that would make me so happy because all these people that like fetishize this part of the country would all of a sudden have to face the facts that like, that's not how it works. Like one of the, this is crazy. I don't know if you all saw this. Um, Native-born Texans, so Texans that grew up in Texas, voted for Beto over Ted. And it was mm -hmm. only people uh, who moved to Texas from other parts of the country that uh, supported Ted. Um, they they broke for Ted Cruz. And it's like, that's hilarious. Cause, well, yeah, because they talk about these fucking like, people from outside of Texas. Like, California is this huge boogeyman in, in Texan politics. We're like, they're going to make the state like California. And then it's probably like a bunch of California chuds that moved to Texas that yeah. are, are, are like Ted Cruz's base. And it's like, okay, fuck, <laughs> fuck yes. you. Yes, make it like this. Uh, I, I always find that funny. I, I found that number especially hilarious. Um, but some other th I think there's actually some good signs in the Senate. Um, the one, the better race is a good sign because the fact that he was genuinely competitive in Texas against somebody with a very serious incumbency advantage, even if he's like probably the most reviled American politician right now, um, that's a big deal. And the other big deal I think that's important is that uh, Claire McCaskill <clears throat> got beat the fuck out. Uh, that's good because she basically ran as a moderate Republican. That's also true. Uh, she was in Missouri. I saw her ads in Tulsa. Like, fuck you, Claire McCaskill. You could target that shit better, you idiots. Um, Joe Donnelly, who also ran, like, had a fucking Reagan quote in a campaign ad, ran, who was an incumbent senator in Indiana. He also lost, which I think is awesome because it's like – and the only, the only conservative Democrat that retained his seat was Joe Manchin. And Joe Manchin, West Virginia – is probably the weirdest state in its relationship to the Democratic Party and that people still are really Democratic in a lot of ways, but also aren't in this way that, like, used to be the case in Oklahoma and isn't anymore. Like, we finally broke that. Mm -hmm. um, I think this year, maybe 2016, but definitely this year, we finally broke that, like, the Democratic Party used to be hegemonic in the state moment. We finally did it. Um, maybe 2014, but sometime 2010 onwards. Um and they still have some of that. And Joe Manchin, who was like cruising by on like 20 point wins in the past, won by uh, less than five points. That's a really big deal, too, because, you know, like I said in a previous episode, literally, why would you f vote for a fucking Democrat if they're ex literally a Republican? Yeah. And Joe Manchin is literally a moderate Republican. There's no other way to describe his politics. 
And the fact that it got so close in a state where he was an extremely beloved governor and he's been an extremely beloved senator for a long time, that's a good sign for us because that he did the strongest showing of the conservative Democrats and it was bad for him. It was very bad for him, even if he still got elected. Mm-hmm. And somebody like Beto, who's running a relatively progressive campaign, I mean, was able to be competitive in deep red Texas. That's a huge deal. So it's looking like... You can really say maybe we do have to run progressive. Maybe there isn't a reason to run like that. Because Heidi Heitkamp, who was not as conservative as um, Joe Manchin, but still was a conservative, she lost. You know, these conservative Democrats in red states lost for the simple reason that if you're going to vote for a conservative, you're going to vote for the real fucking deal instead of the Democrats. So what's the point of running like it? Um, So that theory is true. But the reason I brought up Heidi Heitkamp last is because there's the last thing I think we need to talk about. And that is voter suppression and stealing elections and all of that shit. How do you how do you guys feel about um, just the basic state of American democracy in that regard? (laughs) I I very recently reread Bush v. uh, Bush v. Florida, and it just makes my fucking blood boil because, you know, they gave that election to, to, to Bush. But he literally won. Like, he won Florida. Like, he won that election popular vote. He won the Electoral College. And George Bush still became president. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. I think one of the craziest things is that, like, one of the reasons George Bush won that race uh, is because his brother was governor. And if you look at Georgia, uh, Brian Kemp, Stacey Abrams' opponent, oh, was not he was not governor he was secretary of state and the only job a person has as secretary of state at the state level is running elections so he ran the election he ran in he like oversaw it Mm -hmm. and he and and what's probably going to happen and what the big fight right now is is that um if he can't get 50 percent plus one vote it goes to a runoff between the two of them uh, Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams, but somehow there's no recourse for saying you're not allowed to run it. Like it's straight up banana republic shit. It's it, if if this were happening in a Latin American country, we we would have invaded right now, and we would have invaded to make sure Brian Kemp wins. That's important. No, but we would have invaded and said this is not a real election. You know, like oh yeah, because it's not. It's just straight up not. This is like the fucking. Abdul El Fattah uh, Assisi in Egypt running his uh, elections as like the general that controls the army. It's like this is not a real election by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> not at and- you're not wrong. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like especially when you have such. I mean, there's plenty of points you probably want to go into. You know what I mean? Especially with how uh, <clears throat> just keynote that the, these gubernatorial races are with the 2020 census coming up, right? Like, it's just even more voter suppression, you know, and kind of bullshit that is going to go on because of that. Yeah, so I mean, some of the stories coming out of Georgia are just like, is it just fucking Jim Crow again? Because, like, they apparently didn't have enough ballots or voting machines in black precincts, and they had recently bought voting machines, and they just left them in a warehouse. North Carolina also denied, like, doing early morning voting because it was, like, what, primarily a... black and they said it was un- like not racially e- like equal so they didn't do early morning vote you know what i mean like early uh, voting yeah 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 and so that's why i was like i was like excuse me just because like that, that it's just the stupidest reason to not do that yeah yeah and it's like okay should you not have like early like 
why why would you make voting something that is harder to do? I mean, we like, talked about that on you... our last episode. Is that you know there's <clears throat> simple ways to really make um, you know voting simple and easy and make it something that everyone in the country does and get an actual representation. Not to mention. You know, if we were to modernize in any way, shape, or form our uh, electoral college and make it based on a you know better better system, uh, you know, it, we would have some well, modern and, voting structures instead of this 18th century bullshit. It's it, it, like it should not be complicated at all. Like uh, election day should be a federal holiday. Um, number one, number two. All voting should be done on paper, full stop. There's nothing wrong with that. You do paper so you can have a valid recount. It's very easy. You do paper like we do in Oklahoma. Honestly, we have perfectly good voting in Oklahoma. You fill out a sheet of paper. It goes in a machine. The machine counts it. The sheet of paper stays in the machine, and you filled in the bubbles. It's like a scantron um, for the future right. of the human race. Um, mm -hmm. And it works perfectly well. And then you do some other stuff. You have uh, early voting. You should honestly probably have it for like the two weeks before election day where you could just show up at an election board and vote. And you also have no questions asked absentee and you have voter registration at any point you interact with the government. They say, would you like us to register you to vote? They just ask you that question. They ask you that at the DMV. They ask you that at city hall. Anytime you interact with same the day registration. I mean, yeah. easy, all like easy. Cause that was, that was one of the biggest deals is that Georgia passed this, like, uh, I think it's called an exact match law where your name on the voter roll has to exactly match your name on an ID, which is very stupid. Um, but the rule was, if it doesn't match, you fill out a provisional ballot, and then you send in the provisional ballot, and the provisional ballot will be accepted. Except, of course, that means that uh, the racist old white lady at the polling place in, uh, you know, a black part of Atlanta is going to say, oh, no, you don't get to fill out a ballot. It's an exact match. And that 100% happened multiple times. Oh, yeah. I mean, Probably just... I, it, it, I... God, it happens all the fucking time. I, I were, you know, I, I see court documents that have incorrect spellings of people's names. It's like, my God. Well, even I, like, technically, I had signed up for a uh, absentee ballot, and I had received my email to do it, and I was like, I don't want to do it. I want the fucking sticker. I'm going to go in person and vote, right? And the old lady was just like a real asshole about me doing this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I understand you're following procedure, but I've showed you my ID that I'm the right person. And she was like, he can't hold his ballot until he signs all this stuff. And it's like, lady, I'm standing here signing this stuff. And the guy's passing me the ballot so that after I've waived my right to my absentee ballot, I could just go fill it up instead of walking back to you. Like, we're not we're not doing shenanigans here. And she was like, mur, mur, mur. it's like. I'm I'm a young white person. Yeah. You know, okay, I have some facial piercings, but like I'm a white person in a white neighborhood voting in an election. Like I'm not the person who's getting their votes suppressed. And even then the lady was like that's iffy. This young person's probably going to vote for uh, uh, Karl Marx or something. Well, and, you would have. Well, yeah, right. I actually would have. It's it's true. I mean, she wasn't wrong in that sense. Uh, I was also wearing my Green Country DSA shirt. <laughs> Yeah. But you can't tell that from looking at it. It's just it just says the state motto, not apolitical in that sense. Um, but you know, and there was also stuff going on in Florida. There was ridiculous stuff like that. And you had openly racist Ron DeSantis, uh, who looks like he might beat Andrew Gillum for the governorship, and Rick Scott, human penis, mm -hmm. um, who looks like he'll beat incumbent Bill Nelson, the Democrat in Florida. And again, it's one of those things where like both of these states are in this situation where they're trying to do recounts for elections, and the state uh, has said, you have until the state to do recounts, and the, they're like, we're not going to be able to get the recount done on time. And the state's like, well, the vote doesn't count if you don't get the recount done on time. 
And like, that is the most mind boggling thing to me. How the fuck is it a democratic election if they say, well, sorry, you have to count your votes by Thursday or the vote doesn't count. It's like, if you vote, you voted, you know, the end. And And while we're we're on the topic of Florida really quickly, I do want to shout out to Florida voters for passing Amendment Number 4, which restores the right to vote for most people with prior felony convictions upon completion of their sentences, because literally how you had to go through the process of getting your – well, firstly, once you were a felon, you had to appeal for your rights back to vote, basically, and it went to this very arbitrary committee – um, that I think the governor oversaw yeah, the um, governor plus, plus sat a on bunch it. of people. Yeah. And he would literally say every single time at the beginning of every single hearing that uh, there's no rules or regulations written down to get you this back. It's literally just up to us and whether or not we feel that you are remorseful or have reformed or have done X, Y, or Z in order to grant you these civil rights back. And this particular amendment that was passed completely undoes that. And it restores the right to vote for most people with prior felony convictions that excludes it for um, sexual crimes and murder. Obviously, it's something it's something like one point five million people that just got the right to vote back. One point five million people. As soon as you complete your parole and slash or sentence, um, you get the the right to vote back as soon as you're off paper. And that is actually insane, especially for a swing vote like um, like Florida, Florida. in which case um, the majority of these people are disproportionately people of color. I think I think there are like two important, well, three important notes I want to say about this because I think it's a really important thing you bring up, Parker. It's mm-hmm. super important. Uh, the first one is that Andrew Gillum would have won the governor governorship hands down if this were already law because one out of every five black men in Florida before this passed did not have the right to vote. Like that is a mind-boggling number, and it's it's now 1.5 million new voters in Florida, and who do you think those people are going to vote for? Like a guy who's openly racist or the black progressive, you know, who's saying, hey, uh, actually, maybe we shouldn't have to live shit lives just because uh, of our skin color or because of our socioeconomic background. Um, Like, we all know how that would have gone. And that's that would have made this race. It still could have been close, but it would have gone to Andrew Gillum and it wouldn't go to a recount. And I think uh, the second important thing about it um, is that um, if we're looking at the numbers, that amendment passed by a much larger margin than any other race was decided. And that amendment was unabashedly, like, think about all the fucking race baiting, all the criminal baiting, all the horseshit Republicans do. Because the Republican message right now is people of color are criminals, people of color are going to do criminal things to you, and they're coming for all for your lake home. Uh, there was literally a lady who said that in Minnesota. She was like, the caravan's gonna take my lake home. Like, fuck you, bitch. You don't need that goddamn lake home. Die. Uh, but you know, that's like part of Republican Party messaging, and that shit passed overwhelmingly. So that also is a, maybe a good sign we can take from this, that unabashedly progressive things do well, you know? And that's what it was. And we should, we should take a lesson from that and say um, stuff like making Election Day a national holiday probably would go over extremely well. If in a state that's as unelastic when it comes to party identification as Florida can overwhelmingly pass something that is extremely partisan, well, maybe we should be talking about that. Maybe that should be the Democratic uh, goal when they control that House right now. I don't know. You know, it's a good sign. It's it's a bad sign in the sense that no one's going to fucking do anything about it. But it's, it, it's a good sign generally that that, that happened. 
and it's something we should celebrate in a night that was kind of middling in terms of stuff to celebrate, you know? Well, I think uh, in the the spirit of what we should and shouldn't talk about, I want to want to take a moment here. Uh, so Jeff Sessions was fired this week, and I wanted to make a deliberate note to mention this, but to not necessarily talk about um, Mr. Sessions, because I think at this point um, <clears throat> it's important to note a few things, principally that the Mueller investigation is independent in, in that – it will require. It will be maintained regardless of what happens at the uh, DOJ or even the FBI, and so um, it's still protected. And I honestly think, with the Democrats taking the House, it is a lot more protected. Yeah, it's fine it, now than it's, it than it was yeah. previously. Uh, uh, can Can we also like talk about really quickly the replacement that Trump had and how so, they literally just picked him up off of Fox News because he was like, yeah, you can just defund the investigation and it'll go away. Like 100%, that's why this dude was chosen by Trump. So, and that and that's like part of why I wanted to talk about this is because <laughs> that that whole thing is, to me, very similar to them using the caravan. Because, I mean, like, we all know, we've all seen television and watched since the midterm. It's like fucking 7,000 people. This, well, not even that, not even that, not even story. that. The second... The second the midterms were over, that shit was out of the news. Everybody stopped talking about it. Even the shit that we, you know, that normally I would say, well, they're, you know, fine enough to get information from. But, you know, the New York Times stopped talking about it. And it's it's just amazing to me. And, yeah, I mean, it's got its own – that's got its own whole civil rights thing. But what that was was an attempt by the Republican Party and by, you know, the White House through its messaging platforms – to rile up the base and get voters out. And that's the same thing this Sessions firing is, is that he, all he wants to do is say, oh, you know, that, that investigation's horseshit. And you know how I know it's horseshit? I fired the guy who started it. And you know what? I'm right on the tail of the guy who's in charge of it right now. I tell you what, that's all he wants to do is he just wants a talking point for his stupid campaign rallies he's still doing. Um, and, you know, I, yeah, he is you know I'm, not, I'm not gonna, he is. not gonna say, you know, too much, but it's just you know it's just a messaging error because they want to distract from the things that are actually going on which brings us to the story that i did want to talk about and that is that california is on fucking fire uh this is it uh we're here uh climate change uh, we, we, we've been saying this um you know over and over and over and over and over again and and, and if you saw uh, last week's south park episode you know the man bear peg is fucking real and he's ripping people to death. And uh, if you've also seen any of the uh, videos or pictures coming out of California in the last week, you'll know that it is a, a, a literal apocalyptic hellscape there. And so, uh, you know, as uh, citizens of a state that went through an early ecological disaster uh, in, in, in the Dust Bowl, um, it is just... <laughs> Also, a state that has wildfires. Yeah. <laughs> like when I, <laughs> whenever I was back here in fucking um, March of 2017, and I drove out to the Grand Canyon and back with my family, I was just like, "Oh, we're gonna drive by like 20 wildfires." I was showing the fucking guy around town uh, who does research on like how people in the West dealt with wildfires back in the day, and I was like, "Oh, look, you can see three wildfires from like this is relevant to Oklahomans. It's a thing. It's important to talk about." <laughs> And yeah, and so it it, it 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 is just you know as a state that yeah like I said 
has and is continuing to have and has different ones now, but as, you know, as a people with a history dealing with ecological disasters, um, my God, um, we need to get our heads out of our asses. I mean, if we're going to have any hope, we're going to have to, you know, but it, it, and the other side of that, and like I said, you know, even if you thought everything else, else, you know, you thought it was a whole lie and, you, and you're just the biggest chud in the world and you just don't give a fuck. And you have blown off climate change as a liberal media. All right. Well, let me tell you a fun little fact. By 2030, we're not going to have a coastline. It's going to be brand new. And it's going to be 25 miles inland of wherever it is right fucking now. Hey, I'm excited, though. Oh, are you excited for for us to really have a migrant fucking issue? We're 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 going to move San Fran, L.A., D.C., and Boston, Chicago, and New York. Pause. I'm really excited for when Oklahoma gets to do the reverse dust bowl and we send out OKCPD to the western border of the state and we start checking Californians' papers and be like, you're too poor to come into the state. You know, uh, we're just like, hey, <laughs> you did it to us in the 30s. We're going to do it to you. We all know the Woody Guthrie song. We've all heard Do Re Mi. Like, that, sorry, fair's fair. Um, there is in Texas. fair. Yeah, I, 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 I do think that. It, but <laughs> it's just, it is amazing to me because, I mean, it. we're here. It's 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 now. And, you know, and one of the things I want to say is, you know, I, I, I try and think of this, you know, even from a policy perspective and, you know, forest fires can be managed. It's not, you know, people did it for thousands of years and have done it for, you know, the, the whole time we've been alive. But hey, hey, Kim and Kanye are allowed to buy as many firefighters as they want to protect their Hollywood Hills homes. OK. Well, they're not I doing also, a very good I, fucking I, job because whole fucking wait, planet's <laughs> on goddamn fire. I, I want to give a really big shout out to the inmates of the California prison system. The juvenile um, inmates too, the children. Yeah, also juvenile inmates. Um, it's important. It's very important to note that no one is forced to be a firefighter in the California prison system. I actually think it's really cool, um, like by itself, that they offer this because essentially a ton of prisoners are like being in prison. Fucking sucks, fat goddamn dick. I would like to learn a skill. I would like to do good for my community, and I can go do that as a firefighter. And most importantly, I cannot spend every waking minute of mine in this hellhole building where like a uh, rape is a normalized thing. That's one of the most terrifying things to say that rape is just normalized in the American pr- prison system. And it's, it, it offers them this escape. The really fucked up thing is that one California will not hire felons for state jobs. So you get all this on the job training uh, while you're in prison and then you leave prison and you're like, I'm an experienced trained firefighter who's been doing it for a couple years. I would like a job to fighting fires that is a good job that is an important job that we need to have and the state of california says you can move to fucking texas uh if you want to use that and that's extremely fucked up and the other fucked up thing is that there's no other options for these people because their choice is you can work in the prison and make money for the private prison industry or you can maybe die fighting wildfires and there should be an option that's like hey maybe we should you know give you some on the job nurse training or something and have you do uh, I don't know, like ride-alongs with uh, ambulances to take care of people. I, maybe that's not the best option. I don't know, but like they should have other options too. Where it's like, uh, if if we're gonna stick with this system where we force prisoners to work, maybe this is a good model as long as we don't do it as terribly as California does, where we say you can rot in this box or you can maybe die in a wildfire. By the way, we won't hire you to do that later. It's it's utterly disgusting, and I want to give a shout-out to every single homie, every single incarcerated person out there. Um, 
who has said, you know what, I want to do that. I want to do something because they are objectively better than the vast majority of America's politicians. Every single one of those prisoners fighting those wildfires are objectively more morally upstanding people than most of America's politicians. Than every single Republican. I, I will take that to the grave. Um, well, hot take. Uh, well, what uh, what. What what I was saying uh, was that you know that, the, that these forest fires still can be managed. You know we cannot have these awful uh, you know ecological disasters happen. And you know it is time consuming and it is resource consuming and it doesn't produce profit. So guess who gives a shit about doing it? Absolutely fucking nobody. And it is just we have got. And you know I think I think you know of course our listeners are probably feel this way anyway but you know i I can't help but repeat this in saying that you know we've got to kind of stop ignoring the planet over for profit it is just just become to the point where it's going to destroy all of society it's just going to end the world and uh i i kind of had this i i'd been i've been looking at writing structures recently and like the classical writing structures of like man versus man and man versus god and i i think about you know like in world war one where we finally saw what industrial warfare could do what real the end game of man versus man is and i'll tell you what kids i think we're gonna see the end of man versus nature pretty soon and uh, it's going to be really fun to see chuds faced with actual apocalyptic policy scenarios. On, on that on that note of like man versus nature, I think the national media has actually done a pretty good job covering it because they're just like showing families coming back to their homes and just like screaming, dad, dad. And it's like um, there are cars whose frames have half melted here. Like that guy's dead. Yeah, that that person you're looking for, he is dead. And there are news reporters like standing in these burned out homes who are like, yeah, I walked past five cars to get here. And um, there were bones that were melted in the cars. Uh, that's cool. That's real. And, and like that's where we need to be on this climate change. That's the level of reporting we, sh- we should be doing is like they haven't shown it, but they should be showing like, yeah, look at this person's skeleton where like these bones are bleached and deformed from how intense the fire was. This is what climate change is going to do to us. This is what climate change is doing to us right now. That that's where we should be. It's just like, you know, the the kind of like what what the Allies did to Germans after World War II when they were like, yeah, we're just gonna show you a PowerPoint, um, with like a slideshow of uh, people that were murdered in the Holocaust, and you all are gonna have to sit there and look at it for hours upon hours on end. And if you look away, we're gonna scream at you until you fucking look it in the face. That's what we should be doing with climate change right now. Every single one of those people. Every single car that has a dead body in it should be on the national news. And it should just be like, yeah, what do you want? Do you want this or do you want to fucking do something about the climate? Yep. Because um, uh, that's what's happening. And I remember uh, two days ago, they were like, death toll is like seven. It's going to rise. It's already gotten up to like 50. Um, it's going to get higher. Yep. And those communities are gone forever because it's like whole towns that are the foundations of houses. And that's it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where we should be. Well, I think we're going to move on to Oklahoma news for the evening and I will let you take it away, my friend. Yes. Oklahoma news. Now we're going to talk about, um, Kevin's tit, Oklahoma governor elect. I, I was, I, I was really kind of, I did not see it coming like it did. Um, cause it was bad folks. It was real bad. It was real bad. He, 
that was demolished. I, I did not. I did not necessarily. I I the whole time thought that Drew Edmondson had a very real chance of winning and that he was gonna make it competitive, and he got blown the fuck out. It's like fifteen points or something. Like he got murdered. Um, and now we have uh, Bert, Governor Bert, um, which is dark. Yeah, it it's not a good sign. Um, I really I did like try ways. to, you know, push out the fact I was like, hey, you know, ran on a hashtag, no Muppets for governor. You know, I, I pushed really, really hard within my own personal sphere to try to get Kevin to that, but obviously it wasn't enough. Nope. It wasn't. You you did a good job. I saw I saw them Facebook posts. They were good. They were good. Um and now he's governor. And and the really scary thing to me is if you look down ballot, um Republicans won every race by over sixty percent. That's bad. That is like beyond blowout territory. Like we, that's really bad. Some of it doesn't fucking matter. Like I, I don't give a shit that Anastasia Pittman lost. Like I would like to see a black woman in the role, sure, but not one that's like pretty openly homophobic. Um, mm-hmm. the race doesn't matter. Uh, really sad with how how Ashley Nicole McRae did, though. Supposedly the third candidate on the line there that ran as an independent is a personal friend of Bob Anthony. And only ran to kind of like draw some votes off of her. So maybe she could have done better. But seems like she took some good lessons from it and is really excited to move forward, which I think is good. Because it was also pretty amazing that, a, you know, an, an, an indigenous woman who's like an out and out activist who ran on I'm an out and out activist um, was able to get as many votes as she did. But still blown out. Um, and that's that's true for all the down ballot state race, like all the state level races. Um the other scary thing that is is not as bad as it sounds for reasons that will become extremely obvious very quickly. Um, Republicans got a net gain of four seats in the state house. They already controlled a supermajority in the state Senate that was above the 75% threshold. Now they have that in the state house. And the reason that's scary is because that's the highest threshold you have to clear to pass uh, legislation in Oklahoma um, to pass a revenue increasing uh, measure in the state of Oklahoma, you have to have 75% of the vote in both houses. And now they have that. The Republican Party can literally do anything it wants in the state of Oklahoma. That is the one thing they did not have. The reason it's not that terrifying is they're not going to start raising taxes on poor people. Probably, um, I would I would bet about 80% that that's not going to happen. It could, but I would bet it probably wouldn't. Um, but th- the Democratic Party in the state has been reduced to the point now where it is genuinely irrelevant in our uh, in the halls of power. Um, they they have literally nothing to leverage against Republicans with, because if Republicans want to pass a tax raising measure, they already cleaned house on almost everyone that they wanted out. It was such a big deal that it was a New York Times article where the state Republican Party was like, yeah, we specifically set out to murk anybody who opposed the teacher pay rate package and we got them we went through and we got almost all of them so we have a party that is extremely powerful and the only problem for the party is that an outsider won the governor's race because they split the vote between two people that the party was okay with with mick Cornette and todd lamb and ended up getting the more liberal of the two of them who couldn't win the election uh the primary so that's also dark but i think um I think we shouldn't look at all the bad stuff. There, there are two good things. First one is that Kendra Horn flipped Oklahoma House District 5. I think 
Um, it's been six years. It might only be four years since Oklahoma had a Democrat in Washington, D.C. And I mean, I don't particularly like Kendra Horn, but she's not like a, a, a Joe Manchin. It's very good that she's representing Oklahoma now. She was the shocking race of the night, which is also really cool because Oklahoma's on the map now. And she's going to get to do some cool stuff in Washington because she gets to show up and say, I fucking flipped a district in Oklahoma. Who the fuck are you to everybody? You know, that's cool. Like, that's good. I think it's a shame um, that Tulsa remains fucking Republican as fuck. And I wouldn't be surprised if come the 2020 census, uh, Republicans figure out a way to even more split up the vote in Oklahoma City and make it so she can't get reelected. But at least for two years, we get to say, hey, look at us. Uh, you, you fucking idiots can't ignore red state districts. And she did it herself. She got no help from anybody in the National Democratic Party because they're like, oh, Oklahoma, you can't win a party in Oklahoma. How could you do that? It's not even been 10 years since Oklahoma had a Democratic representative on Capitol Hill. Uh, we're just myopic people who have never opened up a, who don't know, you know, the people that were literally, we worked with less than a decade ago here. Um, so it's good. The other good thing is that none of the fucking state questions passed except for Marcy's law. That's good. Boo. Um, all of them except Marcy's law pass, uh, not passing are is good. I'm very happy about that because Walmart doesn't get the Walmart amendment. You know, uh, the fucking um, school districts won't have to choose between hiring not enough teachers to fill their labor gap and uh, filling the literal gap and the ceiling of the school. Um, so that's also good. Uh, the other two, I mean, like like we said in the midterm voting guide and the state question guide, you know, and eh, kind of and both of those. So who cares if they didn't pass? That's good. Uh, but Marcy's Law is really bad. Very unhappy that passed. Super unhappy that fucking Kelsey Grammer got a state question passed in Oklahoma. Such horseshit. Fuck you, Marcy's Law. Fuck you, billionaire, for fucking getting mad that you don't have quote unquote victims' rights whenever, like, nothing. I'm sorry. Um, it's not how rights work. Uh, yeah. But. To, to I mean, it passed in the majority of the other states, yeah. too. I think it was, like, very few that it actually got, if any, that it got denied. And I'm talking, like, overwhelmingly passed, like, 75 to 80%. And I'm assuming it's just, you know, people not actually understanding the nuances of what, you know, the state question says. And, you know, I think, like, on the surface it, level, victim rights sounds probably sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah, know? it does. It, it really does. I think that's the thing. Is it sounds really good as an idea. And it's one of those things. And where how it's structured isn't really how people think about it because i'm really terrified now that the next time fucking betty shelby just executes somebody for trying to you know trying to comply with police officers so he doesn't get fucking shot on the street like a goddamn dog because somebody's too fucking racist to just you know not shoot people that are 20 feet away from them um or or like the guy in i forget where he was that the security guard that was shot the other day yeah oh. yeah yeah yeah, because you know that after he apprehended the shooter, like, all, uh, like what's every now in Oklahoma, Betty Shelby will shoot somebody as a as a deputy sheriff at Rogers County Sheriff's Department, and she will claim that she was assaulted, and her name will go unpublished for a long time, and we won't know that Betty Shelby did it twice. And you heard it here first, folks, that that will probably happen, and that Marcy Zott will provide her the cover to do that, and that just that makes me. So 
mad in a way. It's like that cold rage where you just want to beat your head against the wall and just yell for hours or, or just like stare a hole into something because you're just so fucking mad about it. And that's going to happen at some point. Some cop will shoot somebody in Oklahoma. It will be a person of color and they will hide who they are through Marcy's Law. So get ready for that. Um, get ready. It's cool. Uh, the last thing, though, is exactly what we said last time when we were talking about elections. Like, Fucking nut up or shut up about this. You know, elections aren't everything. Elections aren't going to fucking save us. Elections aren't going to get us through. They're an important part of our toolkit for affecting the social change we want to see in the world. But go get goddamn organized. I don't care who you organize with particularly. Like, anybody to the left of our revolution, just start fucking doing it. Because that's, that's the only way we're getting out of it. There's no other way. And if there's anything you should take from the 2018 midterms, either locally uh, at the state level or nationally it's that so go join your local socialist organization go start one um you know if you live in rural oklahoma get literally in contact, contact the with... show please please if you're listening anywhere northeast of tulsa i want to talk to you so bad anywhere around tulsa contact us. anyone any anywhere that's not oklahoma city or tulsa also oklahoma city or tulsa you can contact us like i said before we will put you in contact with the people you can organize with we will put you in contact with people that are interested in the things you're interested in doing and organizing um but especially if you live in rural oklahoma give us a shout out especially in the eastern part of the state give us a shout out because we will provide you with opportunities that you probably didn't know existed to help you get organized because we we we're, we know this kind of stuff. We know the stuff that's going on. Um, and we will do it. And that's what we got to do to not get fucking burned to death in our car. So. Yep. Right. Although, although, good news, if you do write Bigfoot erotica, you can become a U.S. congressman. I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, okay, I finally feel seen. You know, I've been writing Bigfoot erotica for myself for years now. And so, we're represented. We got to start a caucus in the house. That's what to say. That's like, that's the the Guy Fieri, Ted Cruz erotica got Guy Fieri reelected as mayor of Flavortown. You already heard that story here. We have Bigfoot erotica now in the U.S. and uh, in, in the U.S. Congress. You know, like I, I don't know. I it's 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 not. It, there are silver linings. There are, and you got to find them. You got to find them when times are dark. <laughs> All right. So the move. now we're gonna move on to uh, another Tulsa story. Yeah, this uh, this week we had <laughs> just the the fucking most brain genius city councilor in Tulsa. I am just you know she she did Tulsa proud. Um, in the past few years, Blake Ewing, uh, who's, who's generally speaking a shitbag, if I'm being honest, I don't like Blake Ewing. I you know like he's not a he's not a good guy except for on one issue, and that is trying to uh, just make the most offensive, obviously racist part of Tulsa history, like not be the name of a street in town, not be the name of, uh, of an important booming part of town. And of course, we're talking about Brady Street and uh, the district formerly known as the Brady, the Tulsa Arts District. Um, so he said that we should change the street name. Back in 2014, I believe it was, uh, no, actually, it was 2011. It was 2011 uh, because a This Land Press article came out that showed that Tate Brady, one of the founding fathers of Tulsa, was 100% involved in 
organizing the Tulsa outrage when they tarred and feathered IWW members in New Block Park um, with the super KKK, the Knights of Liberty, who were like KKK. They're like the ISIS to Al-Qaeda. If Al-Qaeda is KKK and the Knights of Liberty are ISIS, right? They're just like the same terrible evil shit, just like way worse. And also that Tate Brady was probably involved in the Tulsa race riot and was definitely involved with the KKK. And so they said we should maybe change the name of Brady Street, named after Tate Brady, to a different name. And they reached an agreement to rename it W.M. Brady Street, which is named after a Civil War photographer who has absolutely no relation whatsoever to Tulsa. So kind of stupid. Also still called, you know, Brady Street at the end of the day. And to put signs up on it that said Reconciliation Way. Um, that's kind of a shitbag thing to do. We talked previously before about how the Tulsa Arts District changed its name for precisely this region, uh, reason, which is good. Um, New Do, what? Isn't that what they renamed it? Oh, that was one No, they wanted to call it No-Do. No yeah. New Do. No-Do. Dumb as shit. New Do. Um, New Do. So stupid. Thank God that didn't happen. Tulsa Arts District, perfectly fine and anodyne. Like, it's inoffensive. It's good. People still call it the Brady. I don't like that. I, I try extremely hard not to and try to tell people not to. So that's all good. And so Blake Ewing has basically said, I'm bankrupt. Uh, all my businesses are shit. They're going out of business. I can't really run stuff that well. Uh-oh. I'm about to leave the city council. What should I do? Oh, let's bring this up again and try and rename WM Brady Street to just Reconciliation Way. Like, there are already signs there. The biggest problem is that businesses don't want to have to change their addresses. And he's like, let's raise some money to pay for businesses to do that. And then we can rename it. And then, so they were debating that in the Tulsa City Council. And Karen O'Brien, the most brain genius member of the Tulsa City Council, decided that she needed to start talking about this. Now, Karen O'Brien is not an elected member. She was appointed as an interim member for District 3, when its a previous member died unexpectedly, right? Um, she, so she's just there. She represents a district that, strangely enough, for what you're about to hear, she said, includes uh, parts of North Tulsa. It doesn't include like what, you know, is really kind of classically thought of North Tulsa or like Greenwood specifically, which is right north of downtown, but it includes like areas north of 244 out to the airport. Um, and it is definitely North Tulsa, right? That That's part of, the, you would call that North Tulsa. Um, and <laughs> so this is, this is really kind of the brain genius quote I want to say. Um, and I'm just pulling this directly from the Frontiers write up of it. Uh, she said, I understand the issue about Mr. Brady being a Ku Klux Klaner, uh, Ku Klux Klaner, which is like, Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> one of those things where it's like, when you start it like that, you don't even need to hear the butt to know that it's not going to be good. <laughs> um, and she continued by saying, but he also did many, many other good things. And that gets pushed to one side, which is the classic Hitler was very nice to his dog line. <laughs> was he? Um, yeah, he was famously nice to his dog. I know. Um, and like nice in the office or something. It's like, ah, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, genocide is uh, probably the part of his legacy that matters. Um, same thing with Dave Brady. Probably the fact that he was involved in a white supremacist Knight Rider group of uh, famous for being the KKK, but worse, that should probably be the thing that he's remembered for, not other things. Um, she then went to, <laughs> went to compare him uh, 
to a math teacher. Uh, here's a quote again. There's an error in the mathematics, but the rest of it is correct. The students only look at the error. That's what we are doing these days. We are only looking at the error, which is like, the rest of it is not, like, it's not like he fucked up. It's not like being a part of the KKK was like, oh, I kind of fucked this up. And then we ended up with Tulsa being good. It's like, no, being a part of the KKK um, was resulted in one of the worst, if not the worst, pogrom in American history probably 300 dead people, the destruction of millions upon millions of dollars of property, a massive setback for one of the wealthiest and well-off successful communities of black people in the country, in the history of America. So it's kind of not like that. And she's up here just fucking saying this shit. Like, I'm shocked and amazed <laughs> that, that this person is on the fucking... Uh, city council. I just, where do you find these people? You know what I mean? Like, how? Whenever you're looking for an interim person, how does this happen? <laughs> I mean, everybody's got that little bit of pocket racism. I think. <laughs> I know, but this is not pocket racism. Like, a little bit of pocket racism is like walking to the other side of the street, which is bad, and you should not do. Um, this is defending a guy's membership in the clan as not being as bad as it looks to be <laughs> in Tulsa. Well, I don't know what this, it's more also, like, moreover, just this irrational tie to, like, this just national revisionist history, right? And it's not even just this. It's moreover that, like, I, and, and it's something that I don't really understand, and it might have been because, you know, I traveled around a lot when I was young, you know what I mean, younger, stuff like that. But just people really, really, really get upset when things that have been the, you know, like, have been the way that they are. Like, it, I don't even know if it has to be tied necessarily to a historical entity, but when something changes fundamental like that, people just lose their fucking minds. And I can't ever imagine being that attached to something. Or just not being able to be like, oh, let's call it something the fuck else that isn't associated with, you know, like, racist pieces of garbage. Yeah. What and, if we and had to rename so, like, Clementine? Uh, that's fine. He's, he, 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 like, I mean, Kim Jong-un already employed, he probably employed Clementine just like he employed, you know, he employed Dr. Princess. So. He does still employ Dr. Princess. That is true. He still employs Dr. Princess. Not so who even um, knows? He's a plant. Uh, we yeah. all know that... The cat is I'm, a North Korean agent. That's just true. I'm fairly um, certain Clementine has been, you know, like a, she probably he probably got indoctrinated you know, for the CIA. Um, I'm pretty sure, yeah. you know, I, fuck it. But uh, I mean, probably a sleeper is, agent anyway. Why are we on my cat? I don't. You brought up your cat. That's on you. <laughs> um, she she said some other brain genius shit that I think is worth saying. Um, <laughs> she said uh, she had done a quote, cursory look at what happened after 1921 and follow that, that up with, we don't hear about the good things that happened afterwards to the people who were involved. All we hear about are the negatives and that frustrates me to no end, which is like, actually, maybe we should just hear about the negatives. What we, we probably should focus on those. Like, I'm going to, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. Cursory look, not enough. We should focus on the negatives of a pogrom. Um, good yes. thing to do. Um, just like how billionaires are dragons. Like, yes, they're dragons. Yeah, it's like, oh yes. God. <laughs> okay, we're not going to talk about Definitely. your cat. We can't talk about your Twitter f fights. The two things you love most the, in the, the world. I don't have a Twitter, first. The kind of, the, the Facebook the last... fights, excuse me. But, but she, they're total fair game. <laughs> she, she continues with some other stuff. Um, <laughs> um, Ewing... Uh, 
and again, I don't like Blake Ewing, but the, he, he's doing good shit in this specific instance. He was like, yeah, you know, the name change of the street is probably about the fact that Brady was in the clan. And she said, hey, that's only uh, quoting. That's one aspect of his life. All of us have aspects of our life that are not positives. When Ewing said, um, quote, Brady didn't slip and fall into the Ku Klux Klan. It wasn't a mistake. Counselor O'Brien replied with, how do you know? Were you alive at the time? <laughs> how do you know? Oopsie poopsie. I stepped on this banana peel and now I'm in the clan. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I, I fumbled over these marbles that have been left in the floor, stepped onto a skateboard, slid into a construction zone, walked up a long plank, landed in the bucket of a crane, and now I'm a member of the clan. Uh, How did I become a member of the Proud Boys? Flying into a cross and accidentally landing it on fire. Okay. Well, that could be an Abbott and Costello bit where I'm just like accidentally I walk through, I walk through the backyard, get the, you know... Whatever they're called, We've robes. It's like, and, and when you look at Brady's clan involvement, it's not like he like signed a sheet of paper accidentally and then left. Like he was opposed to the to the clan later in life because the clan's political interests didn't line up with his business interests. So it's like, okay, um, he got out, but when he was practically a, of the clan, a poster child, um, he was like fucking hosting big clan events and doing a bunch of clan shit very actively. He was not just like, eh, I don't know what a grand wizard is. I'm just in the KKK. He was like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm part of the organizational structure. Uh, I got an idea what's going on here. I ran out some space with the guys. We have, we have big, um, uh, racist time at my house, you know, then, yeah. Let's so have some he, racist time. <laughs> I love racist time. <laughs> O'Brien's cursory look did not include reading the masterpiece that is Nightmare in Dreamland, uh, which is freely available on the internet and takes like 20 minutes to read, and it's just all you need to know about Tate Brady. Um, go read that if you haven't read it, by the way, guys. Um, it's just like, the, the guy was in the fucking clan. Like, number one, if he was in it just kind of accidentally, that's bad, because he didn't check out what the clan was. Holy shit. I just, like, you can't, you can oh. barely get me to meetings of stuff I want to go to. Like, I hear about fun organizing meetings. I'm like, man, I should really be there. But I'm not going to be because my couch is more important. And this guy went to clan meetings. He got up. He put on clothes. He didn't just go. He he he, he hosted oh, clan meetings. <laughs> you can't get me to invite guests over if they're bringing food and beer. Okay? So <laughs> I don't know how you're going to get me to host a clan meeting. I mean, I, it's complicated to put on the robes. Like, I was an altar boy. Those robes are hard to put on. Wait. Like, he, he, he wait, did the full wait. thing. Hold on. I did. You were an altar boy? Wait. Yeah, I'm Catholic. <laughs> this is normal. All Catholics Ooh. are altar boys at some point. <gasps> oh, my God. The um, lip piercing makes so much more sense now. Oh, fuck, <laughs> fuck off. Fuck off. Oh. I also want to give a shout out to, before we move on to the reading list, I just want to give a shout out for Vanessa Hall Harper for, for continuously being one of the most badass people and the most badass person in the city council. She did, like, just fucking rolling her eyes on videotape when O'Brien said, why are we ignoring the good things Tate Brady did? And then just, like, coming out with, like, this searing, blistering criticism of her in the frontier. Like, fucking tight, Vanessa Hall Harper. You've always been, you've always been a real one. I respect you. Very happy for the work you do in saying maybe Tulsa should be less racist. Um, awesome stuff. But I think so that's all we have to say about that. Reading list. Reading list. Reading list. 
Yeah, um, reading list. Yes. Um, I can do the reading list if you want. Or yeah, you've just been talking for a while. Yeah, go ahead, Parker. Take it. Um, Fuck. Yes. It's, Haven't it, gotten to do a reading list in a minute. <sighs> not as bad as it looks um, at first glance. Uh, the Oklahoman, instead of just being like openly racist this time, was like, let's do one that's bad because of um, we're just being stupid. So please, please take it away. Bad stupidity. Oh. Oh, Association Health Plans, a move in the right direction. Our favorite Oklahoma editorial board this week. Um, so to start off, Republicans have been attacked as do-nothings on health care, largely because they failed to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to pause. I'm out of trouble. <laughs> because um, I love that they're do-nothings because they didn't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get rid of something, so therefore you didn't do the the, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yet actions quietly taken by the Trump administration appear to be creating significant benefit for millions. In October 2017, President Trump signed an executive order making it easier for small employers to band together to provide insurance to employees via association health plans. This year marks the first time strengthened AHPs have been offered, and the early signs are encouraging. Proponent Wait, Paz, can I can I say something about this? Yeah, yeah, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, uh, no, you're not allowed to talk on your podcast. <laughs> so, I just want to slip in the fact that they're like, "Huh, insurance is cheaper when a bunch of people can buy it at once. What if we all banded together to buy insurance?" <laughs> that sounds hmm. like communism. <laughs> Hey, if it's not the socialist. If it barks like a duck and it smells like a duck. Wait, do ducks bark? Fuck you. Fuck you, Adam. Your metaphor's not racist enough, Adam. Okay. I can make it. Do you want me to? No, it's okay. Please don't. I'd rather not. Proponents said AHPs would lower insurance costs. Democrats derided the plans as quote-unquote, junk coverage because AHPs aren't subject to all federal mandates imposed on policies offered through Obamacare exchanges. <laughs> oh. Important note. Important. <laughs> that so just you means do you mean... Like, <laughs> you pay for the healthcare and you don't get the healthcare you need. That's yeah, what I mean, means. so You just pay for no something that you never, ever get. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Yeah, they're like the I need healthcare, and then they're like, "Yeah, this healthcare uh, covers you. Pay us money. That's that's yeah. what it covers." <laughs> There's no it co every every condition is a pre-existing condition. Um, existing is a pre-existing condition. So I'm sorry. Um, yeah, the AHP offered by the Greater Oklahoma City Chamber, available to businesses with two to fifty employees, includes a wide selection of flexible plans to choose from, including medical, dental, and vision. Was that like that was that was in quotation marks? So I just really need to understand: is that like supposed to? I think that's a quote from like how they describe the plan, <laughs> which okay. like when somebody says flex, I don't want a flexible healthcare plan. Uh, that does I, not sound cool. Oh. I would like a healthcare plan that covers everything, please. Um, yes, I, um, I'm not trying to get the leanest healthcare plan possible. <laughs> yeah, or like, I like my I like my uh, insurance plans like I like my beef jerky. All protein, no fat. <laughs> <laughs> 
The medical plans include several. Are you fucking saying I'm small, man? Are you are you are you making fun of my beef jerky regimen? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> you done? Yeah, I am. <laughs> the, state, the state chamber is offering similar AHP benefits to small businesses. Critics complain AHPs may not cover those with pre-existing conditions. How I have never read this article before. But, but the nine. How is it May? Is, How do they have like a quote of what plans are available, and then they're like, "But uh, it might not be able to do anything because they'll just be like, yeah, you were genetically predisposed to this, and/or it's your fault." Well, and the other thing too is when. Like when it says they may not cover, what it means is that it will say it covers it and then they'll have some fine print somewhere in the plan that they couldn't have under an Obamacare regulated plan where if you get something that could count as a pre-existing condition, they say, oh, we don't cover that. The, the fine print is on page 792. Uh, you should have noticed that it says we just won't pay for services that we don't want to. Um, sorry. That's, that's what they mean, I think, um, when they yeah. say may not cover. I mean, the the nine plan choices offered through the Las Vegas Metro Chamber of Commerce's AHP. Uh, why are we in Vegas? Because they don't have anything to talk about. They're just yeah. this other one is about in a fucking Nebraska and Minnesota. Well, they have an example from there. They don't have any examples. They couldn't pull from the example they used before or from the Oklahoma examples. Probably because they don't cover pre-existing conditions. <laughs> the nine plan choices offered through the Las Vegas Metro Chamber of Commerce's AHP include people with pre-existing conditions and lock-in premium rates for two, count them, two years. Two years. Amazing. Great. Land O'Lakes, Land O'Lakes has launched an AHP to serve farmers and its network in Minnesota and Nebraska. That plan includes coverage for those of pre-existing conditions as well as the 10, quote, essential, unquote, health benefits mandated for policies sold through Obamacare <laughs> exchanges. I love how they're like, quote, unquote, essential. Like, uh, yeah, healthcare kind of is. <laughs> I mean, you uh, no, nothing about healthcare is essential, Carl. Like, I, obviously. God. God damn it. That said... The population of those with pre-existing conditions who lack insurance has been wildly inflated by some activists. Activists. And that problem is minor. Jesus. They're just trying to get everybody all this health care that nobody needs. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. I didn't realize how bad this was. When the Affordable Care Act was approved, it included a transitional high-risk pool to cover anyone with pre-existing conditions who lack insurance. Just 115,000 of 300 million people nationwide ever accessed that pool. That's like the whole fucking country that's eligible for that pool. It's like the whole country. What? <laughs> it's a minor problem. It's the vast majority of America. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) For most most of the appeal of AHPs is that they allow small business owners and their employees to access affordable health insurance that's unavailable in many instances. Can you name what those instances are? Because AHPs pool employees from many, or wait, because AHPs pool employees from many business, they pool, wait. Just, okay, just read it through. Yeah. Because AHPs pool employees for many businesses. 
A larger base of policyholders is created, which spreads risk and reduces premiums. Man, I wonder if there was... I wonder what that fucking sounds like. Jesus, that needs a fucking diagram. Full size to spread risk and also, reduce... They... I wonder if, if there were, like, a pretty easy-to-define pool of people that we could just combine into one big healthcare plan. Also, this so that isn't... This is, this is a slang. There's not... Because AH... AHP is pool employees for many businesses. No, no, it's because, because AHP. Um, AHP. But it's not. But it's not. But it's not. It's not possessive. It's a description of an action. Pool. Yeah, I think is what they're. It, well, but it's a helping verb. They're, they're trying pool. to install yeah. a helping verb, and oh my god, that's a that that's, that's a dumbassness. It's yeah. Oh yeah. Principal dumbassery. I promise I, I can read, but, you know, not well, but enough to be able to string fucking sentences together that begin with because. Um, well. <laughs> the congressional the congressional budget office has estimated up to 4 million people will receive coverage through AHPs by 2023. About 400,000 of those individuals might have otherwise gone without coverage despite the Affordable Care Act. I don't understand what you're arguing. It's also like that's the problem with the Affordable Care Act. Like, yeah, fuck the Affordable Care Act. It's bad. We should make the largest possible pool of insurance holders called the entire country, and then we wouldn't have the fucking problem. God damn. <laughs> the cost of individual policies on Obamacare exchanges has skyrocketed, and many sole proprietors, such as farmers, earn too much to qualify for federal subsidies to offset those high prices. Which is why we should have a goddamn national health system. Holy shit. <laughs> Keep in mind, Obamacare exchange policies often involve large deductibles and copays and limited provider networks and another contrast with many new AHPs, which don't have those. That's why. Because they would, just, they would just rather deny you the care rather than, you know, pick which provider you can go to to receive it. Um, that's why it's believed many individuals who previously received subsidies to buy Obamacare policies will now forego them to instead obtain the more affordable and desirable coverage offered through AHPs. Rather than Oops. having the government... Oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, it's just like, okay, yeah, Obamacare sucks shit. Obamacare is the conservative health care plan, you fucking idiots. It's written by the fucking Heritage Foundation. No, 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 lies, lies. These are lies. We don't believe they these They literally things. made it more conservative so they could get Republican votes and call it bipartisan, and that didn't even fucking work. Because you people, these fucking people just don't believe in the concept of insurance. I don't believe you. I think you're lying to me. Mail him poop. <laughs> rather than, we'll leave that rather one in. Than, we won't leave any of the other ones in. We'll leave that one in. Rather than having the government force consumers to buy certain policies, AHPs will have to gain business by appealing to customers with price and quality. That's a welcome and overdue move. Yeah, markets. Yes, I love it when I go on the market and say, I will die in 30 minutes. Don't solve my problem. Please give me a good offer. Love it. And they say no. Fucking love it. No, they say sell we'll sell we'll your child into slavery. Check oh. out the brain on fucking bread over here. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> They'll say, would you like your grave to be this wide or this wide? <laughs> <laughs> our, our less expensive policy will make sure your, your corpse washed the shore after three rain cycles instead of six. Our less expensive policy uh, says that wanting a grave is a pre-existing condition. <laughs> Oh, oh, my. Uh, oh, that's all. Well, I got editorial board. You did not no, change writing. You didn't change any uh, of your writing under this new. I, I'm proud of y'all. I'm proud of y'all for sticking it to the, the new owners and them just letting you continue to write the most inane bullshit I've ever fucking read. <laughs> the new the new owners were like, you know what? This is the easiest buy we'll ever have. We don't have to tell them to be more conservative. It was done. <laughs> Holy shit! We've been clearing out newspapers across the country, hiring up. Magatrud420 off of Twitter to be their op-ed writer, and it turns out the Oklahoma editorial board already did it. <laughs> They're admins on the on the subreddit. <laughs> Jesus. They're, they're the Donald admins. God, Sinclair Media. Man, why did we even buy you? What was the point? <laughs> well, as always, guys, uh, you can check us out on at Twitter. At- wait, 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 wait. Wait, before you go. Before you go, I just want to say some socialist events. I told you about this, Adam. God damn it. You didn't put it in the script. It's not in the script. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Because I was driving home when I told you this. Fuck you. Um, So, first things first. uh, Black Lives Matter Tulsa uh, contacted us and said, please go check out their Facebook page. Go message it. They are asking for donations. And they're having, like, a meal this upcoming week. And it would be very cool if y'all could help uh, support them somewhat. Because... They are looking to fundraise some. And so they're having like a dinner. I'm pulling up the information right now to make sure that I say it right. Um, yes, it is a going to be Saturday, November 17th from 12 to 4 p.m. They'll have wing dinners for 12 bucks uh, or salad or green beans served with spaghetti. You get dinner rolls, dessert, and water. It will be at the Equality Center. That's at 621 East 4th Street. And proceeds are going towards more justice and community work. And they're a contributing sponsor for Oklahomans for Equality. So you should go do that. That's super cool. Um, go support Black Lives Matter. They're awesome. Well, the other thing, I'm just going to read off the stuff that Green Country DSA is doing this week that you should go to. You definitely might run into me if you do it. Um, the Labor Branch meeting is happening tomorrow at 6 o'clock at Rudisil Regional, Regional Library. The Abolition Caucus is happening at 6.30 tomorrow at Central Library. The Feminist and LGBTQ caucus will be happening on Friday, um, November 16th from 6.30 to 7.30 at All About Show, which is downtown near 2nd and Cheyenne in the conference room. All of these are open to the public. You're very welcome to attend. Like I said, you'll probably run into me. All I do is go to GCDSA meetings now. Um, Last one I want to say is the general uh, membership meeting. Um, That's uh, just like a general, we're going to talk about everything and just be like, hey, you're new. What is this? What is it? How do you want to get involved? What do you want to do? Please um, come come learn. It, this is like the perfect place if you've never done anything like this before uh, to come get involved and do stuff and figure out where you might fit in because the other ones are like, you know, relatively specific and focus on certain issues. So if you're new to it, you should definitely go to this one. That is Wednesday, November 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. At Zero Regional Library, that's 2224 West 51st Street in Tulsa. So come to some of those, uh, and you'll probably run into me if you do. Um, Sorry, I didn't put that in the script, Adam. Well, as I was saying, 
As always, you can check us out on Twitter at Red Star Over OK. Our subreddit is our Red Star Over Oklahoma. You can listen on SoundCloud and iTunes. Questions, comments, complaints, concerns. Send them all over to redstaroverok at gmail.com. Please tell your friends and rate and review on iTunes, guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later. Bye.